yeah, your week just got better with Becky and Sammy. Good morning, and welcome back to another episode of Better with Becky and Sammy, where things are just a little bit better with Becky and Sammy. I am one of your hosts, Sammy Reese, and I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, where my research mainly focuses around genetics, and I don't think cilantro tastes like soap. Hey guys, what's up? I'm Becky. I'm an aspiring dietitian at the University of Georgia, and I love everything about health and nutrition, and I just found out that I like lava. Very nice. And so just a little disclaimer before we jump into today's topic. Our podcast is here for education and entertainment purposes. If you do have a question about your personal health, go ahead and contact a registered or certified professional. All right, before we get into part two of whether fitness influencers are beneficial or detrimental, let's go ahead and start off with our question of the week. And thank you for sending in your scientific or nutrition questions. And if you want to send us a question, either leave it in Rebecca's Becky Earth Fit YouTube page or contact us directly. So this week's question is, and this one's for Rebecca, by the way, because she's our aspiring dietitian. Is fruit juice healthier than the whole fruit? All right, Rebecca, go ahead and take it away. Drinking your calories, which is juices, that they can definitely add up because your body doesn't really recognize the calories from drinking versus from eating because at least when you eat, your body gets the satiated fullness. And I definitely recommend water. Well, the whole fruit contains fiber, and fiber actually gives you the feeling of fullness. It contains vitamins, and it also contains, like, phytochemicals, and fruit juices don't have the fiber, unless you're getting the little bit of the pulp. But still, that's not as much fiber when you get out of a whole fruit. And you really, really got to watch how much added sugar and other things that they're adding to the fruit juice. Because if you really look at fruit juice, it might have the same amount of sugar as in a soda, and that kind of beats the point. So I definitely recommend just eating the whole fruit. It You get the satiation factors of the, the, the crunch and the fiber. I will just say that to go ahead and just eat the whole fruit over some fruit juices, but just do your research. Look at the nutrition label and see how much sugar it has. And if you really have to have the juice, why don't you just go opt for better versions like cold pressed juice that also incorporates vegetables in it. So you cut back on the sugar aspect, but definitely go ahead and eat your whole fruits. Yeah, and I personally like eating whole fruits over drinking the juice anyway. So my favorite fruits are nectarines. What are your favorite fruits? I actually really like guava. It's pretty cool. Like, I haven't even tried <laughs> it right. out. And it's one of the fruits that I'm not really allergic to. So how cool is that? Guava is awesome. Right? And I think I am allergic to guava, but <laughs> it's okay. Different folks, different folks, huh? Yeah. All right, so thank you for answering the, our nutrition question of the week, Rebecca. That was awesome, and we learned a little bit more about the value of a whole fruit over juice. So like I said earlier in the intro, today's podcast is part two to the part one podcast of Are Fitness Influencers Detrimental or Beneficial to the Scientific and Health Community? So in our first podcast, we actually introduced what an influencer is. And we broke it down into a couple different categories, which were uh, the category of influencer of science-based, the influencer that is health at all different sizes, 
We talked about influencers that are motivational, but also sometimes controversial. We talked about a holistic type of influencer, along with trendy type influencers, and also the more commercialized influencers. So what we want to talk about today is the pros and cons if we think that health influencers are beneficial to the science and health uh, community. So Rebecca, just for the overall looking at it in general, are you thinking that influence are more beneficial or more detrimental? I, okay, so I have a neutral slash kind of a little bit leaning towards the positive side because overall I think that the whole fitness culture slash fitness influencers is beneficial but you got to take it with a grain of salt like I said for anything when it comes to health and like fitness and you have to do your research and so doing this research for this podcast I really became aware of they push their brands and their products that they are showing and how diet culture influences the influencers <laughs> pun on the words but I just think that they use this as their like job but at the same time there's a lot of things that do come out of it that are beneficial they can spark your motivation they can be your role models they can educate you and you can always count on them for posting content because that's their job. So I think that you gotta take it with a grain of salt. You gotta do your own research, but I think it is more toward leaning to the neutral-ish side of beneficial side. All right, so that is your views. So also to be completely transparent before we jump into our podcast, I am almost the opposite of you. I'm neutral, but leaning towards more of the cons. I believe there are a lot of pros, a lot of cons when it comes to the fitness influencers um, so how about this? Now that we talked about kind of like our overall view, how about I throw out some topics that we both agree are part of the influencers kind of community, and we can talk about how we personally feel about them, if either they're beneficial or detrimental. Is that okay? Mm, yeah. Alrighty. So the first topic we're going to talk about is relatability. How relatable are these uh, fitness influencers? I okay so we've been following a couple of influencers we talked about one on our first podcast and she's Whitney Simmons and I definitely relate to her because she has a life outside of health and fitness aspect she's also not the most like leanest slash shreddish so that's like the skinniest ideal perfect fitness influencer out there and she even expresses her voice about that and so I'm also not the most leanest slash fittish slash person, but I love everything that has to do with fitness and like the health aspect. And so I think that I can relate to her because I have a passion and a love for the whole fitness and nutrition, but I'm also not ideally perfect. And I think that everyone can have like a voice and also that there's also a life outside of that. And I, I just definitely agree that I can relate to her. And also to like other people too, to see that they have lives outside of the gym and eating nutritiously. Yeah, so I agree. I am more on the it is beneficial. Um, I like to bring up Cher Sportsy, which we talked about in our first part of this podcast of, of the influencers. And I agree. She is not the typical Fitspo type of woman but she's still out there thriving and trying to live a healthy lifestyle so I can personally relate to her and my journey of trying to live a healthy lifestyle but not be completely obsessed with just nutrition on the side and fitness all the time we do have other lives than just 
working out at the gym and eating, drinking health smoothies. <laughs> okay, so uh, another topic, let's talk about advertising, mainly how they push their particular brand or supplement or clothing line. Um, okay, so this is where I toured leaning to like the neutral-ish kind of side. Because I get that their brand and their clothing is how they make their coin and how they, like, make their money and survive. But also at the same time, it's like, do you really love this clothing slash supplement or do you just, like, love the money that comes behind it? And, like, did you do your own personal research when it comes to those things? And just because I buy this supplement, are you pushing saying that I'm going to look like you? That's the one thing where I just really noticed that they're brand heavy. And they, they constantly push it. There's a couple influencers that constantly push their supplements and their products. And maybe someone like me who doesn't have that much money is their alternative products. But I just think that that's how they make their money. But at the same time, they actually do take that product and they know that product is beneficial to them or else they wouldn't take it. You know, they, it wouldn't mess up their brand or their business. And so at the same time, it's like, okay, maybe they know that their product is a little bit better and it worked for them versus a random product I find on the shelf. Yeah, so I uh, I agree with you when it comes to, like, I understand that they have to be paid for their time for making these videos for us. I really do understand that. However, I want to talk specifically about athleisure and my personal journey with athleisure. And I actually call it fast fashion because there could be a drop of leggings and they're the most gorgeous leggings and everyone's pushing them and wearing them and like oh if I buy these leggings I will look like that which is not quite true but now you have these new leggings and in a couple months there's going to be another drop another lunch and you have to get those leggings and those leggings and those leggings for each drop and I have a closet full of I would say Gymshark leggings and I don't wear any of them I work out in old t-shirts now so that's something that um, yeah. I'm actually really con-, con on is that um, their advertisements, especially it's a new best thing. And so something to be kind of like watch out for that a little bit when it comes to influencers. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay. So a lot of influencers can be inspiration and motivational. What are your thoughts on that? Like I said before, yeah, cool. Like I think that if you have a goal that you can definitely see someone else reaching it. And Whitney Simmons, she's a queen about putting out these workouts and stuff. Like, there are always going to be workouts on her workout page. Um, I think they can be motivation if you have the right mindset. But when it comes to this fitness world, it's kind of hard because it's like, I want abs and, like, I want to look like that. And, like, if I don't have it, then it's like, ooh, you got you to gotta draw a straight line where you're comparing yourselves versus using it as motivation and a lot of the times I find myself comparing and it's like how can I say that I like fitness and I like health when I don't look like that like no one's gonna like listen to me and like so there there is a fine line of motivation slash comparing yourself but if there wasn't anyone out there who was putting out workout videos and expressing their love interest then like, would you know, like, would you have motivation? So it's a, it's a, it's a leaning towards like the detrimental side to me because I personally find myself comparing and I know a lot of girls do, but you could also use it as motivation at the same time. 
You see, I and the opposite of you, actually, I, I really do think it is inspirational to see other people doing their workouts. And it's kind of like a community. I personally enjoy working out and they personally enjoy working out. And so I see more of a community and inspiration motivation. Uh, but I can see how it can be detrimental because you can't spend your whole entire day working out and making content about exercising and nutrition because we have other things to do. We got to go to school. We got to go to the store. We got lots of, got to play with Cooper, our puppy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the next topic, and this spend a little bit more time on, is not being 100% forward about their body, uh, mainly being, uh, let's talk about Natty. If you're a natural builder or an unnatural builder, so you have different types of growth stimulants. So let's hear your thoughts on this just a little bit. All right. Yes. Okay. So I can hear you again? Yes. yes. Okay. So, uh, do you want to just redo your part? Mm-hmm. Okay. And go. So, I guess that's the huge topic of the fitness community, especially when it comes to men. Um, are they natty or not? And natty means, like, you work out, you eat nutritiously, you have a balanced meal, or you don't use other enhancers. We can do a whole bunch of other topics talking about different enhancers, but it's either taking testosterone steroid shots or human growth hormone. And so what I have a line drawn there is these supplements or these shots or these testosterones could be very, very dangerously to your system. And at the same time, it's like, how do you know what you're supposed to be taking? And so when these influencers are open about it, a lot of these people who follow them can be really influenced by them. And they're all like, oh, well, it's okay. They take it. Then it's fun. I can take it. But that's kind of like going to the medicine cabinet and taking any pill because it's fine. I mean, someone got prescribed it. So that's what kind of makes me a little upset because I'm also like, you know, getting my certification, become a dietitian. So it's like you can find such wrong information out on the internet. But then on the other side, you have it where they're not 100% for that they're natty. And so it's like, I can't get those goals. If I look up to you for inspiration, then like I physically can't get it. And so if you're pushing your supplement, then like you're just pushing something. You're just pushing a moneymaker. You didn't, you physically didn't get that way by doing what you say. So how do I know you're credible? And so that's what makes me kind of lean towards like the strong, strong that is like, side of the influencer less if you're natty or not and if you're natty then like I like that side because you put in the hard work you ate stuff like you followed what you said and you physically believed in yourself and so that is my stance on natty or not so what is your stance Sam yeah so I agree with you I see it a little bit um as false advertising a little bit especially when it comes to pushing their supplements and I particularly remember, I'm not going to name the influencer here because I don't want our audience to go and look at that because I yeah. think it's negative. However, I have a very strong opinion about, um, she posts a whole bunch about how she is 10% body fat and she's been 10% body fat, allegedly, apparently, for a couple of years now. And you have to understand, we as women have essential fat. So mm -hmm. like our brains are fat. So the, our essential fat is at least 10%, if not 13% of her body. 
So she's yeah. saying she only has essential fat on her body this whole entire time, and she got that way by eating healthy, working out, and taking her supplements. I think that's false advertising. However, if you, if you don't know, if you are a newer audience to the in, in fitness influencers, mm-hmm. you would be upset if you didn't look like that or if you didn't have 10% body fat, even if you were being a very healthy individual, So, uh, which is wrong. So, like I said, I probably think this is the most negative side of fitness influences along with you. Um, And I highly recommend that people do a little bit more research on what true bodies are in their best, healthiest self um, Mm -hmm. than looking at just maybe even Photoshop pictures as well. So I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, like, you need an amount of certain fat in order to carry life, like, as in to have, like, a kid. And I guess you're like, well, I'm not at the age yet where I want to have a kid. But that kind of, then if you think like that, then over years of years and years, you ever think like that, then it, it's, it becomes hard. And that necessarily isn't the most nutritious way to treat your body, you know? So, exactly. yeah, I definitely agree with you, Sam. All right. So moving right along, fitness influencers can be very educational. Yeah. So I think this is definitely a pro. Okay. So, yeah, I think like if you go to like a dietitian or even like a personal trainer they could be educational but are they living the fit life every day you're like oh yeah that's their job but I also think that a lot of kids don't have money and what if this is like your hobby and like you don't want to go ahead and shell out all this money to go see a personal trainer or to even go to like a dietitian to even like ask like simple things so I think they could be educational as in like targeting which muscle you want to target. So they give out free tips of saying like mind to muscle connection. And if you see their diet, you have an idea of what they're eating. And so I think it's definitely educational because a lot of them do do their research. Like Natasha Ocean and Stephanie Buttermore and Jeff Nickard. They are people that do a lot of research and it's free information out there and you physically see their transformations. So I think that it's definitely educational. I'm not saying to follow everything that they're saying. And like, if you drastically want to change your body to follow them, definitely go see a dietitian and your personal trainer. But I do think to start off that they're definitely educational and a, you don't have to shell out money to physically get that. And also when you're going to like a dietitian or like a personal trainer, I might be contradicting here, but like, you physically don't see their personal journeys unless you ask them or unless they give it to you. So I think that's why they're the, on the educational slash pro side. So, yeah, I agree. I definitely think that they can be educational. Like like you said, Stephanie Buttermore and Jeff Nippard are great, wonderful channels. I highly recommend that everyone checks them out. However, we do have to acknowledge that some of the education um, is not necessarily from a scientific background. Uh, so we would have to be aware of that. However, I personally do love the education channels and mm-hmm. I will support them all the time. All right. So um, our next topic that I would like to introduce into kind of like our conversation is the idea that fitness influencers can influence the audience to develop orthorexia. Now, just to like get us on the same page, orthorexia is defined as an eating disorder that involves an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating and working out. So what are your views on fitness influencers and how they can be linked to orthorexia? 
Okay, so this is how I see it. So let's say that me and you, we are college students and we pay money for our classes or if you get a scholarship. And let's say that you're not doing too well in a class. So what would you do? You'd do possibly anything to go ahead and make a good grade in that class. And so you look at this and that's when orthorexia comes in. I think that these fitness influencers, this is their job and they're being viewed by so many people out there. And I guess people can tell if you gain some weight if you're not, but that's totally fine. Like that's part of living the life. Your weight's gonna fluctuate five to 10 pounds, but that's, that's, that's okay. You know, you're always not gonna be the same size and be the same shredded. And so I think it's super hard on these influencers to keep the ideal perfect body as in what diet culture influences. And I think that's when the ideal of really working out, eating super healthy and, and, and just that, that mindset. I think that's, that's what comes in because that's also their brand. And let's say you follow them and you see that they're doing this way, then you're going to be very influenced because that's their job. And so they're going to influence you, um, even though maybe they don't even know that that's, that's their thing. So that's when I come in and say, go visit a dietitian and to tell like, hey, are my eating habits, are they, are they nutritious or am I leaning towards the side of orthorexia side? But a lot of influencers, they live this positive lifestyle and they've all battled this, but they've all came up with ways to overcome it. But that's, that's a heavy topic to see. Like even, even I kind of battle with it a little bit, like when I want to see a difference, I, I definitely really tune into, okay, so if I had that cookie, like I need to go run a little bit more. It's just... Yeah, it's, it's a hard line to define, but I, I think that their job and their diets also have to come into a play when it comes into orthorexia. So that's my views. Yeah, so um, I actually do 100% think that influencers, especially some of them that aren't as educational, even if they are, do support orthorexia habits. And then they also more or less tell their audiences to support orthorexia habits mm -hmm. as well. And I say this um, kind of like first with personal, um, personal, what's it called, Rebecca? Experience, my personal experience uh, to this as well. Um, but with that being said, I think that a lot of the influencers, because they have a longer journey on this platform, are starting to realize it themselves that mm -hmm. they may not have had the healthiest habits, but they're trying to work on it. And we have other influencers, even though she's more of a dietitian and not really a fitness influencer, Abby Sharp and her channel, Abby Sharp's Kitchen, that really addressed this topic very well. So at mm -hmm. least we're educating ourselves and we're not hiding from it as much as, mm -hmm. like, let's say 2015 YouTube out there. Yeah. So I do believe that a lot of their habits are orthorexic. However, I think they are becoming more mindful to what is happening with their diets and what they're telling the audience as well. So yep. uh, our next topic and our second to last topic is uh, fitness influencers are free to follow. So they're free to follow them on Instagram, free to follow them on YouTube, free to follow their blogs. So Rebecca, what are your thoughts? I think that I feel this as positive because like I said, girls like me who are in college or in high school, 
we probably don't have the income that's coming in. And if we have small jobs, then probably not making like bank. So I think that if this is like your hobby, then like that's awesome because they're going out and giving some education and they're giving some tips and, and it's just free to follow. You don't have to pay money to go and get an idea of what the lifestyle looks like. So I think that's definitely a positive here. But like I always said, you got to do your research before you believe 100% of what someone is saying. Yeah, so I also agree. Um, they are free to follow, but a lot of times they have additional platforms, either like an app or a workout book or a link you can click on. So yes, it's cool. I think it's great as a hobby, but I wouldn't put it as like, uh, I would always get a professional's opinion first over a free influencer. Mm-hmm. So in our last uh, topic I would like to speak about today is that anyone can be a fitness influencer, more or less. So Rebecca, what are your thoughts on this? I like that because anyone could be a fitness influencer. You don't have to be the most shredded and the most skinniest and the most healthiest to express your love of fitness and health and that whole nutrition lifestyle because then so many people can relate to you. Just a regular girl who goes to college, who has regular friends, who loves health. And so then I can, you know, like if I become an influencer, then I can relate to so many people and so many people can relate to me. And it broadens the whole community of the fitness lifestyle. So what, what do you, how do you view this? Yeah, so I understand. We talked about this a little bit. The relatability is like, mm. oh, they're just like me. However, I kind of see this a little bit as, like, a negative thing. Anyone can tell you something about fitness. Which I always will say that professionals and certified is the way to go. So Mm -hmm. there is always a lot of good. But whenever there's a lot of good, there also can be a lot of bad uh, information Mm -hmm. out there. So I think that kind of like peer-reviewed papers that we have in science, we should also have, like, peer-reviewed YouTube channels. I'm not quite yeah. sure. Maybe that's what the comment sections are for. But I see it as something that is not necessarily a good thing. Maybe we could have a little bit more professionals come on. And sometimes they are professionals. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're not. You'll, like you said, have to do your research on who you're talking about in the topic. Oh, yeah. So that actually wraps up. The last thing I wanted to talk about, if they're influential or if they're beneficial. So after we kind of talked about our views, Rebecca, has your views on fitness influencers changed since we just even started the first part of this podcast? Or are you still thinking along the same lines and you all kind of like have those solid foundations that you feel? Well, after our talk, I just realized that there's a whole, there's a little bit more negatives than before. But I'm going to be biased. I found the health slash nutrition life and even the lifestyle of I can become a dietitian through fitness influencers. And I think fast fashion is detrimental. But at the same time, I feel so cute in the gym and I feel so confident in the gym. And, and there are a lot of influencers out there who do their research, who are so motivational, who I can relate to. So I guess I can say that I'm biased because I found my journey through them and I love to follow them. And I just like love the health aspect, the whole field, the whole like community. I, I personally really love that community. So I still think it's a positive 
if you do your research and don't take everything with a grain of salt. And so, Sammy, we've been waiting this whole podcast to listen what how you feel about this fitness culture slash fitness influencer lifestyle. So what what do you feel like? How do you feel like it? Is it beneficial or is it detrimental? So, okay, so at the beginning of our journey, when we first started talking about this topic to bring onto the podcast, I was very, very negative about it because my personal journey, I had invested a lot of money and I was having very bad habits. And I'm like, I learned all of these from the fitness influencers. But as I matured and as we started talking about it and doing research for this podcast, I've actually become a lot less negative Nancy's. And we talked about Nancy's before in our influential diets. Mm-hmm. However... I guess I'm more neutral, slightly more positive. I really do enjoy their community that they build. And as a hobby, I think yeah. it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. As a full-time job, I'm not quite sure I'd be personally an <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, 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 I have changed, totally which is kind of cool. And that's more or less the reason why we do these podcasts. And we have yeah. these YouTube platforms. And so we can broaden our horizon and knowledge about mm-hmm. certain topics. All right, so between part one and part two of our fitness influencers positive or negative, uh, we talked about different types of influencers, what are influencers. We talked about if they are beneficial and if they're detrimental. We learned and we grew in this process, and I'm very happy that we started this because my views have changed a lot, and I'm very thankful for that. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Better with Becky and Sammy, where things are just a little bit better with Becky and Sammy. You can find us on Becky or Fit, Rebecca's uh, YouTube channel, or on any of your podcast listening devices. And please do consider subscribing. Oh, wait, also, Rebecca, do you have something to tell the audience? Yeah, don't forget to eat your rainbow, guys. All right, well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.